hello people uh this is the talking sports podcast with me natnel juliana and this is uh the first episode of what is a revamped podcast um and it's gonna be a three time per week podcast talking about the latest in formula one NFL, NBA, and football, of course. Um, and this is a pretty good time to do it because, well, the couple of months we've been waiting for the return of sports, thanks to, well, we all know what it is. Um, and what it has created is, well, anticipation and kind of an opportunity for me to capitalize on. And provide people the sort of content that at the moment they are craving for so i just felt like this was the right time to do it anyways if you like what you're going to hear over the next however long then do definitely subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you may be using whenever you may be listening to um however you may be listening to wherever you are around the world it is um, a joy to talk to you here, and I hope you enjoy it. So here we go. This is the first episode of the Talking Sports Podcast. Okay, so this is, um, well, the first thing I'm going to talk about here this uh, morning as I'm recording this uh, on Monday, the 6th of uh, June. Monday, the 1st of June. Okay. Uh, at 10.17am UK time. So, yeah. Here we go. So, the first thing I'm going to talk about is the Premier League. And what has been a pretty interesting turn of events in the last couple of weeks. Um, the Premier League has been trying to get Project Restart kind of sealed within the teams. That's been the main issue. The government's been really interested in getting football back. And, of course, it's a morale boost for the population. So it made sense for the government to go, OK, yeah, we're going to back this. And it's a pretty detailed plan. Um, I don't know the specifics about it, but what I do know is that Last week on Thursday, the Premier League and the clubs finally agreed, and alongside the government, to play to resume the Premier League season starting June seventeenth. So I've got the article here from the Athletic, and I've got it down on the description on whatever platform you may be listening to, and you can check that out. But for now. I'm just going to talk about what really is kind of what's going to happen over the next couple of weeks. So the Premier League is going to start on June 17th. It's going to resume. And the two games that are going to be featured first are the games that are supposed to be game, the games in hand. So we're talking about Manchester City Arsenal at the Etihad and Sheffield United Aston Villa. Those two games were not played because of the Carabao Cup final that, of course, Manchester City won. So, um, yeah, 
that's basically what's going to happen on June 17th. Then the weekend of June uh, 19th, 20th and 21st, we don't know if there's going to be any Friday games, which is the 19th. Um, but we do know that the Premier League has uh, created the slots for games. So we're talking on Monday and Fridays, playing at 8 o'clock, just like usual. Um, then Saturday, the windows are 12.30, 3 o'clock, 5.30, like usual. Then an 8 o'clock Saturday night game. That's going to be pretty new and interesting to watch. And then... On Sunday, then we're talking about 12 o'clock, which isn't as common as it, as it used to be. Um, it used to be like more like 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, that sort of thing. Then 2 o'clock, 4.30 and 7 p.m. There will be a Sunday night game as well. The mid Basically, we could have a situation where the midweek games would kick off at 6 to 8 six o'clock and eight o'clock in the evening uk time this is all uk time and we could have a situation where a game in the premier league could be played every single day of the week um so that's an opportunity that the premier league could take um but the fixture schedule will be we don't know the specifics of when teams are going to play yet but we do know that after the two games in hand have been done then it's basically the originally scheduled games going through to match day 38 so um we don't know how that's going to affect for example impact fantasy football and fantasy football fans have been kind of just thinking what's going on is the season over is a thing because um yeah that's going to be pretty interesting to see what happens in terms of the commercial rights and in terms of how the games are going to be viewed okay so in the uk um obviously we got sky bt uh the bbc and amazon prime um so the way that it's going to be done so terrestrial tv that is free air tv um there will be 29 premier league games that will be played for uh free that you can go and watch uh, whether it's through the BBC, the BBC is going to get four games. Then Sky Sports is going to give away 25 games. That it Those are the games that were extra allowed, given to them by the Premier League. Um, because, well, the there is no three o'clock rule being enforced. So um, that's going to be waived. So that means there's more games that are able to then... Uh, broadcast for the people so um, 25 those 25 will be on the channel pick so yeah if you want to if you're in the UK you can go and watch that um, NBC holds the rights in the US and they have a control of every single game so um, if you've got NBC Sports then that will be fine for you um, the, so the breakdown of it, so Sky is going to get 64 games, 25 of those will be free, and the other, the other 64, uh, the other part of that 64, you will just have to get Sky Sports subscription. BT are giving away 50% off their subscription, all their games will be on BT Sport, 
Uh, it's 20 games will be on BT Sport. Amazon Prime's going to get four games, so if you've got Prime subscription, then there you go. It's worth the four games. And B the BBC, like I said, is going to get four games. So in total, 29 will be for free. 25 of those from Sky, four from the BBC, like I'm saying again. So, and basically, Sky was supposed to get... Um, Sky was supposed to get, uh, I believe, 34 games to finish off the season, but obviously they've been given 30 more, and the B and BT Sport have been given 12 more games. So you can see how the 3 o'clock rule, i.e., you know, that creates the opportunity for uh, plenty of games to be spread around. And so, yeah, the BBC will have Premier League games for the first time since 1988, which is pretty remarkable. Um, so, yeah, you're talking about a global pandemic, um, meaning that, you know, the BBC gives away, gets Premier League football. So, um, I wouldn't say it's a good enough trade off for the countless amount of lives that have been lost, but, you know, oh well. Um, so, yeah, that's the perspective of the Premier League and what the article is right, uh, talking about and so what I think about it it's pretty good I initially was on the sort of um, we should be thinking about ending the season and declaring it null and void um, but overall this is an opportunity for the clubs that are maybe struggling or maybe uh you know, to try and gain some momentum. And in the end, it's all going to be a level playing field. And what we've seen with the Bundesliga is that if you're going away from wherever you play and you're on the road, you have a significant opportunity to win some big some big games. And so... You know, I would I wouldn't be all like um, I saw the reaction on Twitter and I was and you know people were saying oh Arsenal's going to get thrashed by Manchester City and they probably they probably won't have it difficult, but it's not out of the realm of the pos out of the possibility that you know for example Arsenal could go to the Etihad and beat them. It would create a fascinating scenario because. Then you would have Liverpool potentially sealing the title on the weekend of June 19. So the title race could be done like a lot. So it would be um, an interesting way to end the season, that's for sure, in terms of the Premier League title race. But in the end, um, we wouldn't be saying Liverpool don't deserve it because at this point they do. So... Um, yeah, there's a lot to play for in terms of the Premier League season, uh, relegation, whatever. And there's been a debate about specifically whether relegation should actually be taken place. And according to a report I looked at on the BBC, I think it was the BBC. Um, I'll I'll uh, look at that and see whether that's the case. But I saw there was a report that was saying the ten teams do do not favour relegation. So, uh, 
I, d I wouldn't agree with that because you're playing all 38 games um, and therefore realistically you have to just be like this is it um, and what are you going to do if there is no relegation and there is so much there's kind of wrong with just keeping the teams as they are for next season um, so yeah that's kind of a debate that I will think I think I'll be talking about later on so anyways I think that's pretty much it for the Premier League discussion that's what's been taking place but later on in that article it specifically talked about uh, the return of the other European leagues so obviously the Bundesliga has been back for a few weeks now but and that's and that's been pretty entertaining but the news also in on Thursday was that Italy and Spain would announce that the Serie A and uh, the La and Spanish La Liga would come back, and the date. And I will talk about Serie A first because the report coming out of the Athletic by James Hogcastle, who's an, an expert on Italian football. He went and said that the government approved a plan for Serie A. This is quoted to resume on June twenty, and then the sec and then the second leg of the Coppa Italia semi-finals would be played on June thirteen. So I, I don't know who are in those competitions. I don't really watch Italian football that much, but for those who do, this is good news, and you know. And we've got a pretty interesting title race as well in Italy. You know, it's not Juventus just running away with it. Um, you know, it might end up being a situation kind of similar to what's happened in the Bundesliga. I'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but it's a situation where there is a title race. There definitely is a title race. Inter have been really good this season, but who knows what has happened to them or to anybody else in Serie A and the other leagues. So, um, yeah. It's uh, so in and then this is later on in the article. Um, it said that in case of another interruption, the Serie Serie have created some contingency plans. So it has been quoted as playoffs and relegation play outs. That's what it's been done, and then also to kind of freeze the table as it stands. So. Um, yeah, their intention is to complete the games for Mac Day 25 all the way through to um, the end. So that's their plan. But if things get worse, i.e. second wave, then they have some contingency plans in place. Then also in Spain, on the same day as all the announcements for the Premier League and Serie A themselves, Spain's Football Association also said that there was a meeting between 42 clubs um, on the Thursday and they're still planning for June 11th for the uh, season to resume. So that would be 10 days away. What an interesting moment to be just going from thirsty, thirsty for football and then now we're all of a sudden getting a situation where we could see Lewandowski, Messi and De Bruyne and Salah and whoever back playing 
top flight football. We don't know the plan for the Champions League and the Europa Leagues yet. Um, Teary-eyed face immediately. Um, But from the case of those leagues, we've got news and it's good news that football is coming back ish so yeah i'm i'm kind of happy to see footballs coming home and returning so um yeah so yeah 16 days from whenever well from date of recording 16 days i like that i like that a lot so yeah let's go I'm pumped up for Premier League football once again. Okay, so that's good news. The next talking point for me is the Bundesliga and how that season has gone. So I've been following the Bundesliga quite closely, like most football fans have been for the last couple of weeks. And um, I kind of expected this, to be honest. Um, The first talking point's got to be Bayern. They've been brilliant to, to resume the campaign. You know, they have gone all fire cylinder. They've been fire, firing all cylinders. Okay. Um, that was just bullshit, but okay. Um, but yeah, the, the uh, Bayern have just been so much better than everybody else. They, sh- they, they weren't particularly great against... Dortmund, they went on the road to Dortmund on Wednesday, I believe, or no, it was Tuesday, and they went over there, Joshua Kimmich was with a brilliant goal, Berkey could have possibly done better, but it, nonetheless, it was a brilliant goal from Kimmich, and then they had a couple of chances um, to put the game away, and obviously they couldn't, Borussia Dortmund couldn't really respond either. Um, and in the end, Bayern Munich have just been one of the best teams in Europe. Uh, probably the best team in Europe before the break. Um, and but the momentum definitely has not been has killed. It definitely not killed them off. And now we're talking about a seven point lead ahead of the Bundes, ahead of their rivals Borussia Dortmund. And with five games remaining, they won their game over the weekend. They've been just lights out really Lewandowski got another another brace um, against Frankfurt and then um, yeah and then over the weekend they also won 5-0 so you know we're, we're at the stage where Bayern Munich were very likely three wins away from their eighth consecutive Bundesliga title so um <laughs> It's been a long time since anybody but Bayern Munich have won that title, uh, but in the end, it's but in the end, Borussia Dortmund still plays some quality football. Um, they put, they really put. Uh, I think it was Paderborn. They played on Saturday, on Sunday, yesterday, and they destroyed them, and it was just. Brutal. Jaden Sancho starting for the first time, and he scores a hat trick. So he he looks like he's back and firing. And um, yeah, Julian Brunt has been one of the best players over this uh, 
continuance of the Bundesliga and um, yeah he's been a fun player to watch Thorgan Hazard as well um, Erling Haaland not so much but he was injured uh, on that game yesterday and so I think it was a knee injury so um, yeah it's a, it was a little bit disappointing to not see him in that game but oh well injuries do happen and so yeah it's um, it's a particularly interesting uh, season, albeit uh, kind of anticlimactic in terms of potentially tucked away. So unless something ridiculous happens, which I don't think is happening under uh, Hansi Flick side right now. So yeah, that's the title race so far. Then you've got a four point gap behind them with uh, uh, Glad back. It was the first time I've really got to see them play after the break, and yeah. They are quite a a really talented team. You know, uh, you've got Marcus Turam, uh, the son, of course, of Lilian, the World Cup winner back in 1998. And uh, he has been really good. You know, he scored two goals over the weekend. And then I think he's just been, he just, him and Alison Play, um, they are a force. Those two up front. Uh, up front um yeah and then you know that munch and gladback team have been a really a fun team to watch this season and it's and it's kind of good to see uh, a giant like munch and gladback kind of just competing once again and you know early on in the season they did lead the Bundesliga for quite a while actually you know while Bayern were figuring things out and obviously in the end getting rid of Nico Kovac and Borussia Dortmund didn't really capitalise on that. And in the end, we've got a situation where, you know, Bayern are on course to win again. Um, but that's not totally on Mönchengladbach. You know, this is a young team, particularly going forward. Um, and they, if they don't, if they don't sell their players, you know, and keep improving, particularly, you know, they've got a star keeper in Jan Soler. He's up there as one of the best keepers in the Bundesliga. They've got um, they've got a really good defense with uh, oh my word, I forgot his name. Ah, uh, fuck's sake. All right, whatever. Um, but yeah, at this point, this is a good team that we're talking about. Munich Gladbach, and they're a young team, so they will when they've got Lars Stindl as well in the team. And um, but yeah, this is a team to watch out for that could be a force next season in the Champions League. Um, hopefully there is a season in the Champions League. Um, and yeah, they're a good team to watch. But the player that I've been most impressed with to start this resumption of Bundesliga has by far, by far, I believe, been Kai Havertz. And this, I thought he was a good player, but boy, he's an incredible talent. Um, and they've been playing him up front every, every single game. And he got a brace against Werder on the first Monday back. And then he got another brace the following week against, I believe it was Frankfurt. And then he didn't score. He didn't score the game after that, but then... The, the weekend 
again, he goes on to score the winner for Leverkusen. They are now, I believe, fourth with Leipzig playing tonight, if they haven't played at the time of recording. Um, they're playing Köln tonight. Um, and yeah, so they're currently fourth and he's just been the most impressive player. His movement is really good and he's, and he's just everywhere for um, Leverkusen and he's going to be hot property. Even with the market valuations going down of basically every player um, with teams where he's just struggling financially, um, he's going to be big money. And if anybody wants to bring him in, it's going to cost at least 80, 90 million pounds. He's that good of a player. And, um, you know, I'm surprised that he's worth that much because, you know, if uh, Joao Felix, an unproven player, goes for 120 million, then what about Kai Havertz? So, um, he's been proving it for a few years now, and He's still only 21, 21 or 20. So, you know, this guy is brilliant now, but he's going to be a world-class player in the future. He isn't one already. So maybe he goes to Newcastle. I don't know. Who knows? Um, with the new ownership. But, um, but yeah, it's going to be quite interesting to see just what this guy can become because he's unbelievable as a player so yeah but a team that I've been kind of worried about two actually two teams but first being Schalke what the hell have they been, been doing like, they've had issues in terms of preparation for this resumption and then they play at home at home I think I'm not sure against against Dortmund and get their butt kicked like it was it they it wasn't even like they put up much of a fight like super in goal was horrible they're attacking you know we're talking about Dortmund's defense here this is not a world class defense this is a pretty mediocre defense by most standards you know we've seen them make mistakes after mistakes after mistakes but it wasn't they they gave him nothing they gave him nothing and Berkey just had it really easy and you were talking about a team that was basically kind of second string you know we don't expect uh Thorgan Hazard to start now and then we definitely do not expect uh Dahoud to be playing in midfield except and and then you talk and then they get kicked all over the field and you know it was kind of embarrassing to watch from Schalke and I was thinking this was a team that finished second a couple of years ago this was a team that I think believe was in the Champions League this season so how they tailed off this much to be in a situation where they won't be in Europe next season if they're going the way that they've been going they haven't won I believe a single game at all they lost against Mainz They've lost. They lost against Fortuna Düsseldorf on in midweek, and now we're in a situation where they're four four losses out of four since the start of the season, and you know it's it's getting it's getting bad, you know, and 
it's gone from a potentially promising season to what is now just an utter disappointment, basically. So, yeah, I don't know what to say. You know, um, they lack goals going up front, and they've had too much issues in goal. Um, and their starting keeper Herman was injured, so put put putting Schubert and even pretty mediocre, like horrible, get mediocre. So yeah. Anyways, a team that has been struggling, but you can kind of see why because of the teams that they faced. Um, is Union Berlin and. Union are a team that kind of just surprised and people were thinking how is this team you know that is full of just players that you wouldn't expect you know they they've they've got super super tip super Sitch, who was of course part of Dortmund for many years um but apart from that it was a bunch of unknowns really going into the season, people were saying that they were immediate candidates to go back down to Bundesliga 5, and no, they they went into the break 11th, and their first couple of games, you know, they lost, um, I believe, I believe they lost their game, uh, it was a close defeat, and then they played Bayern, no, they played Bayern, and they played pretty well against Bayern, and then the Berlin derby, they get smacked all over by a team that's been kind of struggling all over the place this this season. And then, um, and then in midweek, they get thumped once again. And then this weekend, it happens again. And so we're talking about a situation where they're slipping further and further back. And now they're only four points behind Fortuna, who are in the relegation playoff game uh, place. And who knows? They could slip further and further back and undo what has been a really, really strong season up to this point. And who knows? They might get relegated if they don't pick things up and so yeah that's basically my perspective on things and so yeah that's so far been the review of the Bundesliga season and uh, on Wednesday I will then be talking about Leipzig um, and they've been up and down mostly up you know they did put seven I believe in midweek so you know that that isn't uh, you know a bad thing let's just say so yeah, that's it pretty much on the Bundesliga. Um, so yeah, this is the next part. The next part that I'm going to be talking about is the um, the NBA and the drama that it's been going on. So backroom, and they've been scrambling around for a solution for the last couple of weeks as to where the season is going to resume, how... Is it going to resume and which teams will be playing? That's basically the three major questions that are kind of just nagging NBA owners and 
the fans and the league. So the NBA is just the NBA. Let's just summarize it. So a week or so ago, I believe it was around the twentieth. So it was 10, 10, 11 days ago now. The NBA made a decision and they started having talks with Disney to use their ESPN sports facilities in Orlando. And in the end, it's a really good facility, by the way. It's a facility in which you're talking about you're talking about 250 acres of just sports facilities and we're just talking about baseball fields, basketball arenas, you know, and then you've got the amount of hotels, about 20,000 in the area. So we're talking about a massive, massive place here that has hosted uh, a couple of college tournaments um, in the past, AAU tournaments, which is a high school um, tournaments in Orlando. So it is a proven facility, but it's going to be put under pressure because you're talking about potentially 30 teams coming to one place. They're going to be in this bubble for about two, three months. And yeah, it's... And so this is the situation that we've got now. The NBA wants to use the Orlando facilities, okay? And the way that they've been thinking about it, so this was a week or so ago in which they sent out a... They sent out a survey that was basically these ideas these were the season formats they wanted to discuss and i'll break down which one i think makes the most sense in terms of the situation that we're in so the first option is to go straight into the playoffs with a 16 team format like usual 16 teams uh within conference best out of seven series just like that and that would be on based on the standings as of right now so, yeah, eight teams from the West, eight teams from the East, no problem. Then you've got a situation where the second one, the scenario, is a playoff plus thing. So I'll explain what that is. So according to the article I've got here on The, on the Athletic, and it will be on the link down below, um, it'll be on the description down below, the idea that the playoffs would be expanded so there'll be 16 teams plus two teams four teams six teams and potentially eight teams added so you're talking about 18 potentially 20 22 24 then the third option is to resume the regular season with all 30 teams so we're talking about just continue as it is till till potentially till potentially the seventy game uh, point. So when that is that is, that is important because the local television networks 
um, they're basically they they basically ask for seventy games, unless unless the NBA, if they don't play that amount, then the NBA is owed owes a ton of money to those broadcasting companies because in the end they paid for they paid for a certain amount of product of content, and if they're not getting it, then obviously they have they have to pay up. So that then they get compensated for their efforts. So, yeah, that's basically the solution that they've got. Then there is to resume the regular season plus a play-in tournament. So this would be kind of a resume regular season. Then at the end of that regular season, how many games is determined? It's yet to be determined, and it didn't show on here. Um, and and then there would be a playoff plus concept. So there would be potentially a couple of teams that would be bought in. And then from there, you would then just, just decide. From there, there'll be a tournament. And then I'll decide which teams get in. And obviously, which teams go home. And that would be a battle between four, the seven and eight seed. So... That's what they're thinking in the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference. Um, and then they're thinking how many regular season games? 72 or 76. That's their idea. Not the 82 that you usually have. Um, how many scrimmage games? So this was how many exhibition games are going to be played before the start of the resumption of the season. They're talking either two, three, four, or five before the resumption. I, I'll talk about specifically what format should they do it. Then, then the roster considerations. So that what they're talking about here is how many more slots should be added to compensate for the lack of fitness for the players. So they're potentially thinking of adding potentially three more spots to the roster so we're talking about at the moment 15 then they can add three players to their squad basically that's it um and then uh and then adding more playoff uh place when there's a place for the teams that need a play they're in a playoffs then they're talking about potentially adding more teams so um and yeah so the latest possibility <laughs> to finish the season, they're talking about either Labor Day, which is the week before the NFL season begins, and that's usually September 6th, September 7th, I believe that is. So we talk about just before, which is crucial in terms of, you know, if you're going to have the NFL, the NFL season, which is commercially far more successful. And far more viewed than any NBA finals and so that could be crucial and then potentially you talk about September 15th or October 1st October 15th or November the 1st that would be a nightmare um, in terms of you know if they re if the teams feel like they need more time that could be the situation they might face in which their finals might not be watched 
in America at least. And so, yeah, that could be brutal. Um, so what I think about that, they sent that to general managers, so not the owners. The owners, in the end, they're the ones that vote on any format that is decided. So they, at the moment, they haven't decided the format. As of Thursday, as of, yeah, as of Friday, actually, they decided then to say that, this, according to reports, that July the 31st would be the date. And so that is from Shams Karmia, who, Karmia, yes, Karmia, and from The Athletic, he's the one that wrote this article that I'm basing the GM survey as well. So those are the options that were dis- thought about by the NBA. So in terms of which options I like best, I'm just thinking, why not we just go straight into the playoffs and have and have probably 20 teams, right? 20 teams, and then we have a 1 through 16 seeding. So I didn't mention that. So the, the format playoffs, would it be 1 through 16 seeding, kind of like... Wimbledon let's say Wimbledon I think is kind of a good example because the way that they do it is they give it but there's no unseeding nobody no no uh, player that is unseeded is in the competition there is just one through 16 so that would be based on the current regular season format and or the usual east or west and conference as um so yeah that's what we're talking about here what i would want is reseed all the teams one through 16 it doesn't really make too much of a difference but oh well it it creates some interest and then have one through 16 after a couple of preseason games by i would say three per team and then the uh playing tournament so I'd have the eight seed, the uh, the fifteen and sixteen slots being fought for by six teams. So that is the current fifteenth and sixteenth seed, which I believe is uh, Orlando and the new uh, the Brooklyn Nets. Those teams would then have to fight for their slot. Uh, by a couple of Western Conference teams, Portland, the Dame Lillard, and um, other teams that are around that sort of uh, ballpark in terms of the regular season record. So that is kind of what I would want. And um, yeah, but I do like the fact that the NBA is kind of experimenting and thinking, what should we do to make this more interesting? What should we do that would kind of intrigue fans a little bit more but they've got to make a decision sooner rather than later and I kind of do not want to wait until August the 31st of July to resume the NBA season it's been long enough and we've been waiting since what March 12th um yeah that's just too long for me so yeah that's about it really and uh, sorry guys for kind of just going into the details of an article i'll also i'll just link that down in the description um 
and you can have a look at it for yourselves remember there's a paywall so like watch out for that but I kind of want to talk about this the most and so um, yeah let's talk Formula One um, there isn't really talk much to really talk about in terms of the NFL so I won't really, I won't really talk about it um, and this was an opportunity for F1 teams to kind of just sort out their future rather than the kind of the present because obviously teams aren't working in factories right now because of well you know who and so as a result as a result a few moves were made Carlos Sainz moved to Ferrari because Sebastian Vettel four-time world champion potentially could leave the sport because he was kicked off by Ferrari and well, he decided to leave but I, I, I don't believe that I think he was forced to leave and so at 2021 Carlos Sainz, McLaren driver will head off to Ferrari and par- pair up with Charles Leclerc as far as 2021 is concerned we don't know the future of Lewis Hamilton or Valtteri Bottas at Mercedes we know the future of Max Verstappen he's going to be alongside and who do, we don't know uh, potentially Alex Albon, who's currently the driver at Red Bull. Then we're talking about McLaren renewing uh, renewing Lando Norris and then replacing Carlos Sainz with Daniel Ricciardo, who at the end of his deal at Renault will then switch in 2021 to be at McLaren. And then there were talks with McLaren a couple of years ago and... Daniel Ricciardo said at the time, and also on Drive to Survive, he said that he would rather be in a car that was more competitive at that time, and that's why he felt he needed to go Renault rather than McLaren at that time. Things have flipped around, and uh, he's now more, much more convinced about the move. So that is... A good sign that McLaren have kind of taken the step up. Um, Benotto, however, said it was a sideways move. Um, kind of cynical, but you know, if you talk about it in relative terms from where Ferrari and Mercedes are at and Red Bull, then you could very well make the case that it was a sideways move. And in the end, Daniel Ricciardo again gets rejected by the top teams and I don't know it might means it might be they might be seeing something um Daniel Ricciardo is one of the most talented drivers in Formula 1 no doubt about that but his decision to leave Red Bull and what the sort of campaign that he had in 2018 kind of doesn't look favourable to especially against Max Verstappen who is again probably the quickest driver other than Lewis Hamilton in a Formula 1 car right now and so and he just he was competitive for sure but he didn't beat him and he's going to be in a situation even if he went to Ferrari he'd have been in a situation where he'd be against a motivated driver, very much like Max, a young, 
motivated driver, Charles Leclerc, and he's going to want to be winning a championship sooner rather than later. Same with Max Verstappen. So maybe Ferrari felt like it would kind of be a similar situation. And then you've also got to take away the familiarity factor. Though, of course, Ricardo grew up in the Renault and the Red Bull system. And so he won't be familiar to Ferrari at all. And so Ferrari decided we want a young up-and-coming driver that is kind of just starting to hit their stride in Carlos Sainz rather than somebody who did kind of languish in what was that, I think 8th, ninth in the World Championship uh, Daniel Ricciardo last year so in what was a fairly uncompetitive car in the Renault so yeah, that clearly hasn't worked out Esteban Ocon is in the Renault for next season, but we don't know who's his teammate. Potentially people are saying Fernando Alonso could come back. I don't think so. Um, why would he go back to Renault if there was an opportunity to go to Mercedes? Then yes, he would want to come back, but I don't think he would go um, back to Renault. And then we've also got the potentially the potential situation where we could have George Russell sitting alongside Lewis Hamilton. We don't even know whether Lewis Hamilton will come back, but I believe he will. Why would he miss out on the opportunity to potentially win the, sixth, the seventh title this season and then in 2021 potentially break Michael Schumacher's record? That would be an opportunity Lewis Hamilton would definitely want to take. Um, and uh, who knew that this kid that would go into McLaren in 2007, you know, the season after Schumacher leaves the sport for the first time, he could, by 2021, be a eight-time world champion. That would be ridiculous at this point. Um, and yeah, that that's just incredible. Uh, that would be phenomenal. Um... And would no doubt put him up there as one of the greatest drivers of all time, um, if he isn't already. But <laughs> yeah, a lot of changes have happened in Formula One, and we haven't even had lights out in 2020. So it's an incredible, incredible situation that we're in in terms of Formula One. And also, we've had good news as well because Formula One's coming back. And next month, i.e. July the 3rd, I believe, then we get to see the return of Formula 1. And we're going to have two races in Austria. The Austrian government confirmed they have no problems with Austria hosting the, uh, the Austri Austrian Grand Prix, you know, in Spielberg. Uh, at the Red Bull Ring, that's going to be two really good races. Um, and then you got Silverstone. The government agreed to then uh, have the double header and waive the fourteen day quarantine um, exemption for anybody who came into the UK from another nation. They usually would be fourteen days would have to stay, but the government said no. We're going to waive it and. Um, that means, well, Formula One is going to be back. 
in Silverstone twice this season, and so uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna have two pretty awesome tracks to start the season, and so um, yeah, so the target for Formula One is to have eight races for sure, so then they can classify this year's as a World Championship, um, and then who knows. 12, 13, 14, up to 16 season, up to 16 race season, that would be a very good one, considering the circumstances that we're in, so, um, yeah, excellent, excellent um, way to kind of bring back Formula 1 with two cracking circuits, and so last year, we had great races, and so, um, yeah, it's going to be pretty fascinating to see what happens there in terms of um, in terms of where who could win the world championship. I'll talk about that in a later uh, episode, and so yeah, it's going to be pretty fun to see uh, just where things go in terms of the um, the resumption of Formula One season alongside. The Premier League and La Liga and obviously the Bundesliga at the moment. So, you know, there's plenty of opportunities um, for sports to come back and it all becomes pretty good. So, yeah. Um, so, okay. So I'm going to go with a new format and uh, something I haven't done before. I call it Quarantine Quiz. So uh, let's have a little bit of fun. And so... I've plucked out this little beauty from Sporkle.com and uh, it's about every single driver in Formula 1 that has had a podium between the 2010 season and 2019 and so I've got 10 minutes to figure it out and so the link will be down below to if you want to try it uh, wherever you are, probably at home and um, yeah. Give it a go. So, okay, so, all right. So I'm going to start now. All right, so I'm thinking Williams, McLaren, of course, Lewis Hamilton, you know. Uh, that is one. 124 podiums, not bad. Uh, Rear, Ferrari, Red Bull, that is Vettel, no doubt. Mercedes, Petronas, only Mercedes in his career. Uh, that's Nico Rosberg, easily. Um, 55, that's a massive drop-off. Um, that's just the standard they've been at. And then Williams and Mercedes. That is a combination that only Bottas, I believe, has. Ferrari, only Ferrari. Um, I don't know. Only Ferrari? Oh, that's an interesting one. No, not. Oh, oh, Raikkonen. Yeah, and it's. Uh, I think Raikkonen, surely. Uh, fuck's sake, I don't know how to spell his name. How do, how, how do you spell his name? Ah, oh, fuck's sake. Uh, either way, it was the wrong one, because he was with Lotus. Um, okay, so I'll put in Verstappen for Red Bull. Um. Mark Webber as well, Red Bull. Um, 
Okay. Oh yeah, Daniel Ricardo, of course. He's not going to get a podium anytime soon, I believe. Ricardo. Oh. Why is this spelling? I spelled his name right. What's... Oh fuck off. All right. Uh, Vodafone McLaren Mercedes. Only one guy, Jensen Button. Um, Scuderia Ferrari and Williams. That's Felipe Massa. Lotus F1. Just Lotus. That's probably Grosjean. Grosjean. The meme himself. Um, Scuderia Ferrari. Just Scuderia Ferrari. Leclerc. I mean, yes. Yeah, 10 podiums last year. That's actually pretty impressive. Um, Sauber and Force India. Okay, yes. That's Sergio Perez. King of the midfield in his career. Red Bull and Toro Rosso. Oh, Daniel Kvyat. Torpedo himself with three podiums in his career. That is very, very fun. Indeed. Um... Yeah. Alright. Uh, Renault. Just Renault. Interesting. Uh, I'll go I'll go with Williams Martini Racing. I'm just going to go with... Who's driven Williams? Oh, yeah. Pastor Maldonado. Of course. He won the race. Uh, Stroll for Williams. He got a podium in Azerbaijan, of course. One podium for Mercedes. Is it Schumacher? It is! He actually got a podium. When? Was it Canada? In 2011? Who knows? Anyways, McLaren. Uh, one podium. Magnussen. Yes. Aust in, in, uh, in Australia. Of course. Two podiums for Salva. Another one for Torosa. Hmm. Just before Torosa's Honda. So. It's not Gasly. If it's Buemi. Or something like that. Okay, I was going to say. If it was Buemi. Jesus Christ. Um, Renault. Renault. Ferrari. Raycon. He's got two Ks. Oh, fuck you. Alright. Um, Daniel Ricardo. Oh my god. Well, let me spell it properly. Um, I'm doing this on my phone, so yeah, I've got five minutes left. Five minutes now. Um, one podium for McLaren. Perez? No, Perez never got one with McLaren. He only got one with Southern Force India. Kobayashi, surely. Yes, I got it. Kamui Kobayashi, of course. He was an underage driver, actually. Yeah, he was kind of underrated. Um, okay, what else? 
You've got Renault, a couple of Renaults. When were Renault good? They have not been good in a while. Podium. Well, that rules out Hulkenberg. Oh, shit. Brazil last year. Carlos Sainz got a podium for McLaren. Come on, man. There you go. Uh, took, I had to write the junior part, but okay. Um, Renault. Red the one guy who got about 40 podiums from... Alonso! Oh, come on! <sighs> took me a while to... Fucking hell. He's a two-time world champ. Okay, whatever, man. Alright. Let me try and put in Daniel Ricciardo one more time. Because it, it it's not letting me. He's literally had... He's literally had race wins. Oh, you fucking prick. Okay, um... Let's see how it's actually spelled, for fuck's sake. Alright, uh... Oh, he's got... How did I forget he had an I in his name? Oh, you bitch. There you go. So I've got pretty much everyone in the top 10. Top 15, I don't know. Uh, one podium for Renner. One. Renault. Oh no, who did kick the. Definitely not Jody and Palmer. That was. He's just shite. Yeah, that's. 21. That's actually not too bad. About 21% have got that. Um, Renault. One podium for. Albon? No, he didn't get one last year. Renault uh, for uh, Red Bull for Toro. Uh, Gasly. Oh shit, Gasly. Yeah, it was Gasly. Although he got fourth in Bahrain, and that was it. But okay, whatever. He got podium. Um, these guys got to be recent though. Renault in a podium. Hmm. No, Ocon's never raced here. It's just the Renault drivers, that's it. It's three Renault drivers that have had a podium in Formula 1. Whether they've had multiple or not, but it's three of them. I got one. Petrov. Yes, Vitaly Petrov. He was there. He was kind of shit, to be honest, but, you know. Kubica. 2010? Yes! Kubica gets in. Well, they were kind of shite last year, but okay. Um, you know, he nearly, had a, he nearly got killed in a rally accident, but oh well. Um, fucking hell, he's going to go to Formula 1 should be incredible, but as it can shred. One minute left. One guy left. He's literally had at least one podium. Okay, so. They had Petrov and Kubica in 2010. Kubica obviously had the accident, so he couldn't race in 2011. Who was in that? It was Heidfeld. It was Nick Heidfeld. Yes! Yes, I completed it. Yes, get in. Okay, so the list was Hamilton, Vettel, Rosberg, 
Bottas, Alonso, Raikkonen, Weber, Verstappen, Ricardo, Button, Massa, Grosjean, Leclerc, Perez, Kvyat, Kubica, Heidfeld, Gasly, Kobayashi, Magnussen, Maldonado, Petrov, Sainz, Schumacher, and Stroll. Okay. I'm part of the 2.1%. Love it. Yes, please. All right. So uh, that brings to a wrap the first ever episode of the over this new podcast, this awesome podcast. So, yeah, if you listen to the end, you are awesome. You are genuinely awesome. And so, yeah. You should hit me with a subscribe and, you know, just share this podcast wherever you can to the, to the interweb. And, yeah, that's how it's going to end. And so thank you very much for listening. And Wednesday and Friday and Monday, those are the days when there will be content on this podcast service wherever podcast service it is the so yeah get those notifications every time there was a new episode coming on and so yeah thank you very much for listening and um i will say i will wave you goodbye with this awesome outro <laughs>